Today on Bold Steps Weekend, Mark Job challenges you to rise above difficulties and trust God in helping you to live your best life. You see, I don't care what side of the tracks you were born on, what neighborhood you grew up in, how dysfunctional your family was, how wealthy or poor it was, what ethnic background you are from, what color your skin was or not. It has nothing to do with your personality, and it has everything to do with a few key characteristics that you develop in your life. Welcome to Bold Steps Weekend with Mark Job. Mark is the president of Moody Bible Institute and the senior pastor of New Life Community Church in Chicago. I'm Wayne Shepherd. Well, today we begin a new series called Rise, Live Your Best Life Yet. And Mark, you often say your best life isn't going to happen by accident. It may be risky, but we have to be intentional about where we're going. <laughs> That's right. It's not going to happen by accident. <laughs> and we see the contrast between two leaders, David and Saul, similar opportunities, but one really rose to make a huge difference and the other sank. And it had to do really with character, courage, confidence, integrity, passion. We're going to look at what are the attitudes that cause people to rise and what are those that cause people to sink. Oh, look forward to this. So let's get started right now. If you can turn in your Bible to 1 Samuel chapter 16 as Mark begins. The message is called Passion. You can have two people, they both grew up in the same neighborhood, they come from similar home backgrounds, they have similar educational opportunities, and one of them, you look at their life and choices they've made, and they seem to rise in their family, in their job, in the impact that they're making, and years later, you run into them and say, wow, look at this person. They've really done something with their life. They've really risen in their life and impacted people and, and, and made some great decisions. And then you look at someone else that was very similar background and you notice that this person has gone the opposite direction. They've taken steps down. And they've made a mess of things and uh, have, have gone spiraled downward, have stepped down in the ladder. And you wonder, how did they get there? And what makes the difference between two people that have the same opportunity and one rises up and one sinks down? What is the difference? Well, I'm convinced that it has nothing to do with what side of the tracks you were born on. It has nothing to do with your personality, and it has everything to do with a few key characteristics that you develop in your life. You see, I don't care what side of the tracks you were born on, what neighborhood you grew up in, how dysfunctional your family was, how wealthy or poor it was, what ethnic background you are from, what color your skin was or not. I'm convinced that there's certain traits in life that if you develop them, they will cause you to rise up regardless of the situation. And others, if you develop these other uh, traits, they will become anchors on your soul and they will pull you down. Now, we're going to do a case study over the next four weeks of two individuals that started out with the same opportunity. One was named David, and one was named Saul. 
Uh, those names may ring familiar to you, but Saul was the very first king of Israel. David was the second king of Israel. They were both given the opportunity to be king of a nation. Both of them had no experience. Both of them were basically in charge of taking care of cattle when they started out. Both of them had issues and hang-ups in their life, but one rose and the other sank. And as we look at David, we're going to discover four key traits that I believe were like helium in David's life that caused him to go up. And those traits are the following four, and that's what we're going to be talking about over the next couple of weeks. Passion, confidence, courage, and integrity. Passion, confidence, courage, and integrity. And today we're going to start, we'll start out by looking at the characteristic of passion. Now, I'm told that General William Booth, who was the founder of the Salvation Army, and you can travel to a lot of parts of the world and you'll see the Salvation Army, and this fellow by the name of General William Booth, he was a, had a passion about him. He had a, had a great heart for people that were downtrodden and hurt, hurting and started the Salvation Army. But he was asked one day, uh, he had the opportunity of meeting Queen Victoria of England. And uh, she asked to meet with him. And so they had this private interview because she had heard so many things about what the Salvation Army was doing in the slums of England. And she asked him, what is the secret of your success? He said... Your Majesty, some men have a passion for money. Some men uh, have a passion for things. He said, I have a passion to help people. And it was evidence in what he did because of his passion to help people and the call of God upon his life. He literally helped transform and change many, many people's lives. So I want you to take your Bibles today in your hand. If you don't have a Bible, tell the person beside you, can I look at your Bible with you? And uh, maybe they'll let you. I want you to take your Bibles and turn to 1 Samuel chapter 16. 1 Samuel chapter 16. As we look at this area of passion and how it causes us to float up and the difference that it makes in our life. I'll remind you that the people of Israel had gone through a series of leadership transitions and changes. In fact, before Saul, the Israel was led almost like a theocracy. There was a prophet, and that prophet was the man of God, and God spoke to the man of God, and then the prophet would appoint judges over the people, and they would rule the people of Israel. And so God spoke to the prophet, the prophet set up judges, he gave the word for the nation, and he ruled the people of Israel that way. But the day came when the people of Israel looked around at all the other nations and they said, wait a second, everybody else has a king. We want to be like the other nations, we want a king also. We want someone to lead us into battle. We want someone that has a crown, that has a sword, that has a throne, and that can stir up the military forces and that can lead our people 
And the Bible says that God was not pleased with that decision, that God did not want them to go that direction, but because they insisted and because they cried out, he gave in to them even though that was not his purpose and his plan. By the way, that brings up a great point. Do you realize that sometimes God will allow you to go places and make decisions even though it's not his will? If you whine about it and cry about it enough, he'll say, all right, go ahead. Do you know that? I mean, we do it as parents, don't we? Don't buy that toy. It's a waste of your money. You're going to throw it away. It's not going to work, Dad, but I really want it. I really, really want it. I'll do my chores. I'll, I'll never ask for anything again, Dad. Can I have it? I don't think it's a good thing. You're going to regret it. I went, Dad, please, please. It's, I've been dreaming about this forever. Okay, go, it's your money. Go ahead and get it. I wouldn't get it if I were you. And sometimes God is that way. That you insist on something, desire something, want something, press for something, and God will say, okay, you can have that. And then oftentimes, most of the times, if God is against it, he's against it for a reason. And then when we get what we want, then finally we discover all the troubles and problems of having what we want. And then we start saying, oh God, please, how did you let me get in this situation? And that's the way it works. And I've run into people sometimes that way with marriage. Oh, Lord, I, give me this person, this person. Oh, God. And God's saying, I don't know, this person. No, 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 this person, this person. Okay, go ahead. And then after their marriage, they're saying, God, please, can I get rid of this person? Can I? No, no, no. You know, after you're in there, here's the thing. Once you've made that decision, you say, well, I don't know if it was the will of God. Listen, after you made that decision, it is the will of God for your life. And, and you don't look back and you don't say, well, I wasn't thinking straight. Well, I think I made a wrong decision. No, now you've made that decision. Now you live with it. Now it's God's will that your marriage work. Now it's God's will that you invest in your marriage. Now it's God's will to give you the strength and the power to work through the issues, to work through the problems, and to make it work. Regardless of whether it was the right decision at that time or not, if you're married now, don't start thinking, well, I don't think I got the right counsel. Maybe it was the wrong decision. No, now you don't even need to go there in your thinking. Now you need to go to the place of saying, God, give me wisdom and power and strength to navigate my marriage and to make it good. So the people of Israel cried out for a king. We want a king. We want a king. Samuel says, okay, here's a king. And the Bible says they appointed Saul as king. Now, Saul was what you would think a king should look like. He was a head and shoulder taller than everybody else. He probably had a square jaw, a protruding chin. He looked the part of a dignified, strong, kingly leader. People would see him and say, yeah, oh, oh he's kingly. Yeah, look at him, big guy. Head and shoulders above every. He's going to make a good leader. You remember what Samuel said to the people when he chose David after him? He said, man looketh on the outside, but God looks on the heart. Just the way someone looks, you can't tell whether they have a good heart or not. By the way, a lot of us make decisions about a lot of things, sometimes based on exterior appearances, and then we live to regret it. Guys, hello? I'm looking for a woman. I think that's her. Well, do you know her? No, I just seen her and I think it's her. 
You need to look at her heart a little bit too. And Saul looked the kingly part, but there was something amiss in Saul's heart, something about his character, something deep inside that led Saul really to blow the greatest opportunity that he could have had. In fact, Scripture tells us that God said, if you wouldn't have blown it, you would have, I would have established a kingdom that would have lasted forever. If you wouldn't have blown it, I would have made this kingdom endure. In fact, David after him, who finally became king, you can trace the lineage of Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, all the way back to King David. Samuel said, Saul, if you wouldn't have blown it, I would have established a kingdom. I gave you an opportunity. I opened up the door, yet you blew this opportunity. And I wanted to do something with your life. This is Bold Steps Weekend. You're listening to Mark Job, and we'll jump back into the second half of today's message in just a moment. Please stay with us. Right now, we just want to pause to remind you that if you ever tune in late, you can listen to all of Mark's messages online at boldstepsweekend.org. Or subscribe to our podcast and take these messages with you wherever you go by searching on your podcast app for Bold Steps Weekend with Dr. Mark Job, and just tap that subscribe button. By the way, we want to say how much we appreciate hearing from our listeners. Your comments, messages, and handwritten letters mean so much to our team, and we take the time to read everything we receive. In fact, we actually got some really encouraging feedback from a listener named Jenny they would like to share with you. Jenny wrote, I live in a really small village in Croatia, and I don't have a church nearby to go to yet. I met another Christian in the hospital a couple of weeks ago. He and a couple other Christians get together in his house, and I hope I can join them. The communication right now is going to be difficult and slow, so you are my pastor. Since a few months ago, I listen every week to Bold Steps Weekend, and I'm learning so much, growing slowly but surely into a mature Christian life due to your preaching. Thanks to our God and Savior. So right now, I want to thank you for all you do. You have no idea how much God is using you to reach out to people. God bless you, Pastor, and just know that I pray for you. Well, Jenny, thank you for that note to Pastor Mark. And if you've never reached out before, take a moment today to send us a letter or message online and let us know you're listening. Just go to our website, boldstepsweekend.org, or give us a call at 866-535-5580. That's 866-535-5580. Now, let's return to the message. It's called Passion. And so God had turned his face away from Saul and said, I need to choose another leader. And he had found the youngest son out of a house by the house of the name of Jesse. And you know the story. He went and looked at all the sons. No, it's not there. Do you have another son? Yeah, we have another one. He's out taking care of the sheep. Bring him to me. When Samuel saw David, he knew that David was the one that God was calling to be king. Look what it says in verse 13 of 1 Samuel chapter 6. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came upon David in power. Samuel then went to Ramah. Verse 14. Now the Spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord tormented him. Samuel finds David, and it says he takes a horn of oil, and he pours it on David's head. Now you've heard of anointing with oil before, right? 
You say, well, why did he take oil? Why didn't he take a sword like the English people do? Well, anytime you see oil in scripture, the anointing of oil, it's a sign of authority being delegated. And when authority is delegated, so is the power to fulfill that mission delegated. So when Samuel poured oil on David's head, he was saying, we give you the authority to be king and all the power that's needed to fulfill that calling upon your life. It's authority and power. When people come forward, even, even now, we often pray for people for physical healing. Someone will come up and say, hey, could, uh, could someone pray for our physical healing? And you'll notice sometimes we go and we get oil out of, uh, out of this case right here. Let me see if we have some. Uh, yeah, here we go. We, we get a little oil. And uh, it, it's olive oil from Spain, actually. We get some uh, little oil and we, we, we dip it in on a little napkin there and then we just uh, touch the person's head with a little oil. Why do we do that? Someone says, well, they're using some kind of magic oil. No, 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 no. it has nothing to do with magic. It has to do with, it tells us in James, in James, uh, it says if someone's sick among you, have the elders, have them come forward, take the oil, anoint their head with oil, pray for them so that that person will be healed. You say, what, would, what does the oil mean though? The oil signifies the authority of the Holy Spirit to heal and the power to heal as well. What in essence it's saying is as we anoint with oil, we're saying this is not a healing of man, this is the power of God. When Jesus died on the cross, he resurrected to the right hand of the throne of the Father and Jesus has authority over power over every power, over every authority, over sickness, over disease, over principality, over power, over demons, over death itself. He has power over those things. And so as we anoint someone with oil, we are saying God has granted power. He has authority to heal. And in the same way, Samuel took the horn of oil and he poured it on David. Now, he didn't just douse him with a little oil and say, well, let me make sure I don't get your shirt dirty. That's how we do it. He actually took a whole flask of oil and would pour it on their head. The oil would drip down their face and under their clothes, and it was a symbol, a sign of the authority of God. But I want you to notice what the verse says. It says, and the Spirit of God came upon him with power from that day forward. David was a different man from that day forward. But yet something interesting happened. It says the Spirit of God came upon him with power, in power. And at the same time that the Spirit came upon David with power, it says that the Spirit departed from Saul. So there was a transition happening. The Spirit came upon David with power and the Spirit left Saul. You say, well, pastor, can the spirit come and go? Well, here's the thing. This was the Old Testament. In the New Testament, the spirit of God doesn't come and go like in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, after the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was granted to us. And if you receive the Holy Spirit, which you do, the moment you say yes to Jesus, the moment you bow your knee and allow Jesus Christ to be Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit of God, the third person, the triune God, He comes inside of you and there's no way to get Him out of you. 
Thank God. Once he's in you, you can't get him out. Now you can grieve him. You can quench him. You can uh, put the fire of the spirit out, but you are sealed into the day of redemption. You can backslide. You can try to run from God. That's the, that's the thing about having the Holy Spirit. The thing about having the Holy Spirit is you can say, I'm going to run. Vince could say, you know, I'm going to run from God. Here's the thing about it, Vince. You try to run from God. You know, you can run, but you can't get away. I'm going to forget that Christianity stuff. I'm going to burn all my Bibles. I'm just going to go where no one knows me, where I can live like I want to live. Guess what? You're carrying with you this power of the Holy Spirit wherever you go. And the thing about once you receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you can never be happy or content when you run from God because the Holy Spirit will never let you be happy or content. You can run, you can try to forget about God, but you can never escape the power of the Holy Spirit inside of you. He's there inside of you until the day of redemption. That's why some of the most miserable people on the face of this earth are Christians that aren't living for God right now. They're trying to run. Hey, you were a lot happier before you became a Christian. And you were, I, I run into people, they say, well, you know, before I was a Christian, I could party and do all this, and I had fun. Now I'm trying to do it, and I can't have a lot of fun. I just can't do it like I used to do it. Guess what? The Holy Spirit just ruined your party because he's in you, sealed into the day of redemption. He's not going anywhere. So you might as well just stop fighting and just come back to God and give yourself fully over to God because that's how the Holy Spirit works in our life. In the Old Testament, though, before the coming of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit would come and the Holy Spirit would go. That's why it says in Psalms 51, David prays and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Because in the Old Testament, it was before the coming of the Holy Spirit, the permanence of the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit worked in a different way in the Old Testament times. And the Bible says that the Holy Spirit that had come upon Saul to empower him to be king left him. In fact, it says the Holy Spirit left him. The Spirit, capital S, of the Lord had departed from Saul, and the evil spirit from the Lord tormented him. Now, some people have asked, well, Pastor, I don't understand that. How could God send an evil spirit to torment him? You always have to interpret Scripture with Scripture. And, and here's what we know about Scripture. There is no evil in God. So God is not the originator or the author of evil. But God can remove his protective hedge from our lives and allow evil to hit our lives. So when it says an evil spirit came to torment Saul, it wasn't an evil spirit that God had, but it was an evil spirit that God allowed to torment Saul because Saul had disobeyed and turned his back on God, and God was allowing an evil spirit to come and torment him. And from that day on, by the way, Saul behaved like a bipolar, schizophrenic, depressed guy. One day he's ready to hug uh, David and love him, and the next day he's throwing spears at him to kill him. He was full of jealousy and rage, and he became a controlling maniac intent on keeping his kingdom filled with prejudice and filled with anxiety about who was going to take control over what he possessed. He lost the joy of God and the peace of God, and he ended up one of the saddest stories in the Bible. Why? 
because he had attitudes that took him down the ladder instead of attitudes that caused him to, to begin to step up the ladder to the place that God had called him. You're listening to the Bible teaching of Mark Job, and this is Bold Steps Weekend. If you need a little extra encouragement, let me invite you to go online and explore our website, boldstepsweekend.org. You'll find some great resources on kindling your passion, like our current Bold Step gift. It's a book by Dr. Gary Chapman titled, God Speaks Your Love Language. This subject is really such a unique truth for us to understand as Christians that God wants to connect with us through our specific love language. So if you're tired of feeling disconnected from God, this book might be the bridge you're looking for. Request your copy today and start hearing from God in a way that speaks directly to your heart. It's yours when you give a gift of any amount to support the ministry of Bold Steps Weekend. Just call 866-535-5580. That's 866-535-5580. Or go online and give when you go to boldstepsweekend.org. And you can always send your card or letter to us in the mail by addressing your envelope to Bold Steps Weekend, 820 North LaSalle Boulevard, Chicago, Illinois, 60610. And then don't forget, you can always listen to Mark Job on our daily Bold Steps program on your favorite smart device. Just look for us on your podcast app and click subscribe. And of course, listen to Bold Steps Radio all this week on your local station or go to boldstepsradio.org. Well, today's message is called Passion and it's part of our series on learning to rise to live your best life yet. We'll be continuing this message next week when we'll discover how answering the bigger calls in your life requires you to obey with the small things. I'm Wayne Shepherd, inviting you to join us next time on Bold Steps Weekend with Mark Joe. Bold Steps Weekend is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.